you have, I think, this deeper awareness from you. Where do you think that comes from? Or were you always like that? No, I, it comes from meditation. It comes from spending a lot of time with myself, sitting with myself, sitting with my thoughts, understanding myself at a deeper level. They've seen your growth and yeah, everybody's like rooting for you. That is just a result of doing kind things for people with no expectation and just like making connections happen and just being a good human being. How are you this morning? Uh, well, not morning anymore, but. I'm phenomenal. I'm like, I'm loving life so much. I'm so grateful for the ability to talk to you through the internet and just, uh, I can't, I can't be happier. How are uh, you? I'm doing great. Uh, I was so excited about today and when you offered, okay, I want to be on podcast. I think I grabbed like within the first few minutes. I really appreciate you on joining just any podcast starting new or established. So I'm super excited. It's connecting with human beings, right? It doesn't matter if the human being has a podcast that's seen by one person, zero people, a million people. It's like, Whenever I get a chance to connect with people one-on-one, -on -one, I feel like I'm in my purpose. I love people. I love connecting with people and there's nothing better. So I'm grateful awesome. to be here. I saw you on Twitter. I think you went for a morning run. Is this something that you do every Tuesdays? Just wanted to maybe start with like your everyday routine or maybe like special things that you do. Yeah, I just started hosting this run and I think 30 guys showed up. And it's four miles and it's beautiful. It starts in the dark and then it ends with sun sunrise. And it's just, like, oh my God, and the energy you feel from doing it and just the people. It's unbelievable. When That's did you start doing this? A week ago. <laughs> and you just posted online and people showed up. Yeah. I mean, there was a pre-existing base of people who would come to the runs, but it was very inconsistent. And my friend Harry started it. And then we were just like, let's like actually make this a thing. Let's be like intentional about growing this and like having people show up. And I tweeted about it a few times and wow, there are 30 humans here now and let's have some fun. And this is so cool. And this is just the base of it. This is just the beginning. And yeah, it, it's really fascinating to just see the vision come to life so quickly. So I, I love running and that's a huge part of my routine and like what I'm up to these days been running pretty consistently for the past six months really started like taking another level in the last three months and i'm doing my first marathon on december 2nd in memphis wow. very exciting. when you say when this vision comes to life mm -hmm. was this like your vision or is this what you envision like people gathering together and running or is this like not what you expected so i was doing these runs and it was every tuesday or every other tuesday it was like random and I was like, Tuesdays are the best days of the week. And I was like, why is that? So, oh, I'm spending it before sunrise. I'm moving my body with friends, um, building my fitness, and I get coffee after. I'm like, there's nothing better. Everything I do is better as a result of from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. that happening. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. Okay, let me be consistent about doing that. Let me see if I can run with other people at other days and... I just love life when I'm doing all of those things. So, yeah. That's awesome. The vision was just to like continue that and to build it out and for other people to also have that experience. That's so cool. If I ever maybe visit on a Tuesday morning, maybe someday uh, I might join. Yeah. I think objective in all my interviews or talks or these chats is just to have a chat. And I'm excited. I know you've been on a couple different podcasts lately. What are some of your expectations from, I don't know, guesting on podcasts? Zero expectations. People are like, I didn't do as much research or I did a lot of research. I'm like, it, that's just what I do. It doesn't matter at all based for this. I have zero expectations for anything. I just like connecting with human beings and especially human beings who I feel like I know by virtue of their Twitter <laughs> avatar and, and human beings that I've connected with so much in the past. So. I know from the few times that we interacted, I, I just felt like I was talking to a friend. And I think mm. it's just amazing that I just moved to Texas like not too long ago. And I'm doing this, like meeting people. It's like mind blowing. I wanted to start like by congratulating you. You have 419 episodes to date, but you have a new logo. And I wanted to start with your new logo. 
just like your runs and the marathons probably started with something, what like sparked this new logo sort of thing that came to life in just a days? Monica, this is such an important question. And I'm so grateful for you asking it. I, in the past month, maybe the past two weeks, maybe three weeks, have gone on an unexpected journey of clearing darkness from my life that I didn't even realize I had. And I wouldn't even characterize as darkness, just like things that I was unaware of about my childhood and things that I was able to see for the first time and look at. When I looked at the darkness, crazy how quickly it manifested in my own life. Like I was more joyous. I was more energetic. I was bringing greater energy in my true self to each moment. And how quickly it then reflects in the podcast logo. When I look at the light now, I'm like, oh my God, that is a direct reflection of my own internal being being more cleared and filled with more light. Wow, that is fascinating. So I did one hypnotherapy session where we talked about like some resentment I felt or held against my dad. Then I randomly did like another walk with an amazing woman who is a friend of mine named Talia. And she helped me go deep on what that was about. And she has a great process that really helped me. And then I did another one with my friend Jackson. And like all of these were like, it was like three in one week about the specific issues that I was facing and like the resentment that I was holding and just looking at it and being aware of it. That to me was like, it was amazing. And I felt so much lighter as a result of doing it. That's why the logo is filled with more light now is because of clearing the internal blockages. Yeah, that's what it it seemed like. But I was trying to figure out did the logo come first. Sometimes you have those things like, okay, you, you need a new logo and then it changes you. But I wanted to ask you like what happened. And a funny thing that I did this morning, I fed your logo to ChatGPT. Wow. And I was like, this is before and after. What do you notice? Wow. Like I wanted to read you what it had because I thought it was like pretty funny not all accurate per se, but it was funny. And let me read what it said. So from the blue one, the dominant blue color might imply a calm or professional tone. Blue is often associated with trust, dependability, reliability. In my, my personal take of the old, like the previous logo, I sense this like loneliness or a little bit of this serious heaviness. And then like the new one, like this is ChatGPT. Yeah. The addition of the sunrise suggests a sense of new beginnings, hope, optimism. It could also indicate a shift in the podcast theme or a new season and a new series, which I thought was pretty accurate. That's pretty good. And I'm, that's amazing that you brought that to ChatGPT. What is this new beginning for you, the podcast, the next step? It's a clear understanding of my purpose and my reason for being. And one major factor is like to bring light to people, to bring light to every situation I'm in, to be able to show people the gifts that they hold or ask them questions that help unlock a new version of themselves or help them see their gifts for what they truly are. And I feel like I'm stepping into that and have more conscious awareness of that than ever before. I also understand like part of my reason for being is to be the thing that I lacked as a child is not may or may not actually be true, but what I felt like I I lacked was emotional security from a male role model. And I didn't feel as if I had guidance in the emotional realm from a male role model. What do I do today? I interview people as the emotional guidance as a male role model. And so the thing that I'm giving is the thing that I lacked. And that's why I've gone deep on meditation. That's why I've understood myself better and better is because I felt like I didn't get that as a child. And yeah, that's what the new season, that's what the new beginnings of the podcast entail an understanding, a deeper understanding of my purpose. Do you have any specific examples, not like maybe with guests, but like with people around you, somebody that maybe was going through a dark, I don't know, spot or a valley and you provided light? And then you were like, oh, wow, like I did this to this person. 
and the, this person changed. Yeah, it happens every day. This was the craziest thing. Like after the realizations happened that I talked about, like the three different situations, I think every day afterwards, like for the next week, someone was talking to me and just started crying. And I wasn't trying to make them cry, nothing, but I just was so deeply aligned that something in them was shifting as a result of just me being and just saying what was coming to mind and my energy and the truth of what I felt. And I found that fascinating. I was like, what is that? What is going on? I always sense this level of energy from you, mm. but do you feel like that energy has become just like more, like stronger or like more clear lately? And yes. you're just using it more. Yes, that's exactly right. Wow. It, it, it was here and there before. And now it's just here. And it hasn't stopped. And I'll be on three hours of sleep and it'll still be there. I'll be on 10 hours of sleep. It'll still be. It, does, it's not, it has nothing to do with any other factors except knowing that if I'm speaking to someone, if I'm in the same elevator as someone, I'm in my purpose. That's a remarkable place to be. That's and if awesome. I'm by myself, I'm in my purpose too, because I get to get the company of myself. So I don't That's know. That's awesome, Danny. Do you think whatever you are feeling at whatever stage you're going through, is this something that any somebody can get to, arrive to? I don't see why not. You read the letters that I wrote four years ago. I'm depressed out of my mind. I don't know if I'm just always going to be like this. I don't know if I can never do what I say I'm going to do ever again. I think that there's three different stages. There's one where you're dissatisfied with life. There's another where you're satisfied with life. And there's another where you're fulfilled by life and transcending. And I really feel like I'm in the transcendent stage, but I think like it takes the understanding of where you are in the journey. Are you dissatisfied? You can't just jump to being so fulfilled by, by every moment. You got to get a baseline. If you are at baseline and you are doing good and you're satisfied, then it's like, how do I be flourishing? I, that's the word that I was looking for, flourishing. Like, how do you start flourishing with life? And I think like it takes evaluating yourself of where you're at. When I was writing those emails, like you could read in, or the email that I, I shared with Andy Fursell in episode 346, you could see like that person was very dissatisfied. And over the next year, two years, I became more satisfied. And now I'm just, I'm living in my purpose. I'm living in my calling. So yeah, I think every person can get here. Why not? That's amazing. Absolutely. When you, like you're saying, like people just come to you, like almost a magnet to these people who need that energy. Do you notice any patterns in these people that come to you? Are they like young, early stages of creation? Or are they like much older who like are about to retire and don't know what to do? What kind of patterns do you notice in the people that are gravitating towards you? Yeah, it's a great question. My guess and my inclination, and I don't know if this is actually true. My guess, it is people who lacked the emotional maturity from a man, from a father figure when they were growing up. That's what I would imagine. How do, does that resonate? Like that, not, yeah, does that maybe. resonate with you? But yeah. th does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It, it resonates so much because uh, I, I've taught for I don't know, like over 10 years and I have similar experiences where people come to me and I'm just sharing my thoughts. And that happens to be very like, encouraging or just a departure point for many people to gain courage or I didn't do anything right just by being there you're just like tilting the first domino and maybe you're like doing the same and you're just realizing oh wow you're seeing it right from the outside oh wow this is what I'm doing yeah what is it for you like why do you think people are coming to you I don't know exactly for me I think I'm just very approachable like, I'm just very, I don't know, like real, like very approachable. And I am very like non-judgmental or like non-opinionated with people because I've gone through a lot of stuff and I'm, I think I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So people will share a lot of things, right? And I just take it at face value. Oh, I'm less terrible. This is what happens. And I have like really interesting experiences and like relationships with very random people because of that. And I'm sure you have the same, like you growing up, you had, you were like writing. And then I think you dabbled into e-commerce, like fitness, all of that stuff. Today, what are some of the people, like your people, who are you? 
keeping in touch with, like talking to, like communities that you're part of? It's so interesting because I think to a lot of people, I'm in their community, but I don't feel like I'm in any community. I feel like I'm in the Danny Miranda community. I've gotten like D to C, you're in the D to C community, you're in the entrepreneur community, you're in money Twitter community, you're in writing community. I'm like, I'm just doing me. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't like think about it, I guess, that clearly. I just, who are the people I'm attracted to? Who are the people that I want to spend time with? Who are the people that I want to engage with that I feel are putting out positivity and love and abundance and kindness and work ethic into the world? Those are the people that I want to spend time with. And it doesn't matter to me whether they're playing sports or they're selling stuff. I want people who are in their purpose, who are in their calling. And I want to talk to those people. I want to talk to the people who, if I paid them a billion dollars, they would still do what they're doing. Those are the people that excite me. And that doesn't mean that I don't want to talk to people who are not doing stuff like that because I want to help them and encourage them to get to that point. But I don't know. I'm just doing me. And it's leading to so many people to enter my life in, in interesting ways and insightful ways that I couldn't even possibly imagine before I started. And I couldn't even attempt to be like, this is the podcasting community or this like it's just right. like so much. So many communities I'm a part of, I feel like running community now. Like I didn't consider myself a runner three months ago. <laughs> I know. You it's and it's very organic and natural. Like you're not forcing anything, but you have this sort of default brightness energy to you. But I'm sure that things drain you. And what are some like types of people or types of things that that suck energy out of you? Such a great question. It's often like group scenarios where the conversation is very surface level. When you got eight people in a room and everyone is trying to find the common thread and it's like, all right, we're talking about Austin because we're all in Austin right now. And like, why do we move to Austin? And it's like, there's so much gold that like people are covered up. That's just, like, they don't want to talk about. That is their trauma. That is their. For me, like I'm very like optimistic and people who are complainers people who complain like suck so much energy out of me yeah that's just me as not well. yeah like not because there's always the same thing has two sides yes and i have my complaining days of course but some people their default is like complain always yeah what's cool and what i've been really blessed to be around is i was talking to this guy in the past week and he was complaining about his employees and complaining about like his friends and complaining about friends of friends. And I was like, dude, the common scenario in this all is you. And he took it and was like, you're right. And he didn't get defensive about it. I thought that was fascinating of, like, wow, this is someone who's gaining awareness of themselves in this moment, or maybe they already knew that about themselves, but just, I appreciate that. Like someone who complained, maybe if you say it in the right way, you can actually like bring awareness to them if they're open to it. That's amazing. And I think like a follow-up question to that, you seem to be very welcoming. Okay, feedback. Tell me what you want. And from the last couple months, what are some like really useful feedback that you've received from either like guests or maybe audience listeners? But so I don't, nothing stands out, but it's crazy because by virtue of putting out so much content, I'm constantly getting feedback of the way I'm showing up in the world and the way that people are receiving it. I mean, imagine like the person who has one conversation every day and doesn't post it online and they just have to analyze that one conversation that they have versus me. I feel like I have hundreds of conversations every day by virtue of being online with Twitter replies, but also like in person. And I'm constantly seeing how I'm posting. People are engaging with it, what they think about it that I'm being interviewed or people are asking me questions, which helps me understand myself better. So I think not, nothing comes to mind initially about what feedback stands out, but I, will, I feel like it's just a constant barrage of feedback that I'm really grateful for. Yeah, totally. And, but I do notice like the shift in the 400 episodes of quality, like your thumbnail designs change or like you tweak yeah. things here and there. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I'll just try this way and then a little bit different, not because somebody told me to, but just because you just want to try or you can, you see the potential of it being better. What is like your just going more tactics about the podcast and to be practical, what is the workflow that you have for your pot? Like, how do you think of this? 
the cover, like the shorts, or like that you cut out from the. How do you think about all these things, or do you have a team helping you to do yeah. all of that? So did I edited and did everything on the podcast myself for the first three hundred episodes, and there was this You're wonderful. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, <laughs> this is like a dumb thing to do, like on my part. Like I definitely. Should. I think I did five, and then I was like, okay, "I need help." <laughs> That's smart. I was too boneheaded for that. Even though I didn't like doing it, I was like, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." And so I, I did it. To the editing of it, I really did not enjoy, but I did it anyway. And I did that for 300 episodes. And then around like the 300 episode mark, this guy. Pablo sends me a message and he's like, Hey man, I can help you with your stuff. And I was like, great. Like I've gotten that message a hundred times. Everyone says that they can help me with my stuff. And then he proceeded every day for 30 straight days, sent me one clip from the show oh and they God. were good. And I started posting them and I was like, Oh my God, this guy is different. Everyone says they want to help with the show, grow the show, whatever this guy just put in a month worth of work for free just because he loved the podcast and thought he could make it better. So fast forward a month after that, I bring him on the podcast. He starts working on it full time. All of the video editing, all of the audio is him. He's the one who is putting it through the video editing software. He's creating clips from the show and I'm posting them and going back and forth with him every day on what to cut, what to include, but he is, he is such an incredible guy. His name is Pablo, but we call him video King Pablo because <laughs> he is actually like an incredible human being who gets better and better. And I'm like, I'm blown away by his level and his capacity and his skill and how he's improved. And I'm really grateful to be working alongside of him. And it's just me and him on the podcast. Oh my God. It's amazing. I love those stories of how you meet your like invisible hands, because I don't know why, but you make people want to help you. <laughs> I've noticed like if with like your website for your course that I want to talk about today, art of interviewing, people design websites for you. I was like, why? That is like so cool. And it's not easy to replicate that. Like, I don't know why people just feel so invested in your success. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I think one, it's because I'm incompetent at so much. Like I'm incompetent at video editing. I'm incompetent at creating a, a landing page for a website. So that, that's one thing that I'll say. But I think there is something to people feeling authenticity and our attraction to authenticity and attraction to people in their gifts. I very much feel like when I'm speaking to someone, whether it's as a guest, as as a interviewer, as a just a random person in the street, I'm in my gifts, right? I'm in my purpose. People can feel that and people want to help people in their gifts, people in their calling. We look at LeBron James and if LeBron James didn't have a, a social media presence, there would be people who would just magically appear to help LeBron James make Instagram work. And if there's a new social media platform that he didn't know how to do that no one knew, but he would find a way to make it work because he's in his gifts, because he's in his calling. And we want to see people elevate who are in their gifts and in their calling. And people can feel that within me and people can watch it and see it and appreciate it and be like, I feel, they feel like I should be further along. So if you feel like someone should be further along and you can help them in some way, then you're going to bring them up. Yeah. <laughs> but if I think LeBron James should have more Instagram followers than he has, I'm like, this is a travesty. I want to help him. So that's my two cents on it, on why it works, why people help me. And I am so grateful for it. Like, it's unbelievable. And I feel so connected to so many people because just them helping for just the kindness of their heart and wanting to connect with me, I feel very appreciative for that. And I don't take it for granted for a single moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to see from the sidelines. Oh, wow. Like there is this just generosity, right? That it starts from them, but I think it also starts from you. Something about you makes this emotions like emerge. Like I wanted to help you with stuff and I'll just be sending you, oh, check this out and like references. I think people want you to succeed. And I wonder if because you're just openly sharing everything, you're, they've seen your growth and yeah, everybody's like rooting for you. If you think about you have just such an impressive guest list and 
Uh, I remember like when you were first starting, you still had a very impressive guest list. How did you get people to get in to your podcast? Was it like cold emails? I'm in the same spot and I have my podcast, but I also have more of a professional kind of, I work with a media com- company in Korea. So we try to guess, get impressive guests for our media publication, not my podcast. But how do you get people? I think it's Twitter has been like the best way to get people for me. I don't know if that is also true in Korea or like getting Korean guests, but I find that you can insert yourself into any conversation in the world and people can see that and then be like, oh, who is this guy? Versus any other social media platform, if I tag Gary V on Instagram, there's a maybe a 1% chance he'll actually see it. If I tag him on Twitter, I think like even for the random person who doesn't have any connection to him, I think there's a 75% chance that he sees it or a 50% chance that he sees it. And that's that's increasing your odds 50 times. And I think that's true for a lot of big names or big people. The other thing is like doing kind things for people with no expectation. And one kind thing is like having an interview that people really appreciate and enjoy and then want to tell their friends about. Like people tell their friends about experiences that they enjoy. And so if enough guests have experiences that they enjoy, they will refer me to other guests. But then it's like, how do you explain the situation where a guy wants to start a podcast? I realized that he was a former baseball player. And I was like, oh, I followed him when I was a young kid. So let me contact him. So I call him up out of the blue. And I'm like, hey, man, like, or the the actual situation is he said he wanted to start a podcast. I DM'd him and was like, yo, if you want to start a podcast, let me know. We can have a call. We set up a call. And he was like, dude, thank you so much for helping me. I didn't even know that, that, like all this stuff. I appreciate it. He's like, by the way, do you want to have Andy Frisella on your show? I was like, yeah, that changed my life, like doing that program. So of course I do. And he's like, okay. He reaches out to his friend who's friends with Andy Frisella and is like, how do you explain that? Like how? And I think that that is just a result of doing kind things for people with no expectation and just like making connections happen and just being a good human being. And I think people can sense that. And it's part of the reason why this guy goes out to help me, goes out of his way to help me is because this guy's trying his best. He's doing his best and he's helping people. Like it'll work out for him eventually. And he understands that and, or believes that. And I understand it as well. And I think that's part of getting great guests. And that's part of just giving people good experiences. That's awesome. And yeah, it's kind of, it's not something that is not a program or you didn't have a strategy meeting to do this, but it's just like you being you, uh, focusing on the work yes. and then things happen. Yeah. And, and I think a, an interesting thing to, for people to ask themselves is like, how can I do one kind thing today that I would maybe need to go out of my way to do, but that I would not expect anything from that could just fill me with joy for doing it? Like, If you actually did that every day, your life would be better in ways that you couldn't even imagine in this moment. That's awesome. Can you give examples of maybe one nice thing that maybe you did this week or last week or and something that somebody did something nice for you? Oh, that's a great question. I love Patrick O'Shaughnessy's question of what's the kindest thing anyone's ever done for you. It's such a difficult question. So this week, let's see if I have it. So... I was recommended this book twice, The Empath Survival Guide by Judith Orloff. And I, from talking to you for the past 30 minutes, I, I would gift this book to you. I think like this book is amazing and I'm going to send this to you. Um, Because I was recommended it twice, I saw the title of the book, The Empath Survival Guide. And I immediately thought of my aunt who really can feel people at a deep level. So I sent her the book as well and gifted her the book because I was like, if anyone would love this, it would be my aunt. And uh, I sent that to her on on Sunday. And that was very, like, she appreciated so much, obviously, because she can feel emotions and and at such a deep level. So that that was really nice. That was a nice thing that I did. And then a nice thing that I received, the kind thing I received, just so many people showing up to the run was like, Mm. such a a gift for me. Wow, all these people are showing up and they're like, trusting me to put on the event and to be here and I appreciate that a lot. I felt like that was a very kind thing that people did for me. 
And it's so crazy how the things that touch people are like not what you would have thought of. They didn't do anything. They just showed up. And that's like the nicest thing that you received or you think you received. For my son was like, oh, seeing dad at soccer, being a coach. It has like nothing to do with him, but that made his day. Wow. So it's like those things where I think we don't know what makes a difference. I think you, you know what does for you and that's like great. But you have, I think, this deeper awareness from you. Where do you think that comes from? Or were you always like that? No, I, it comes from meditation. It comes from spending a lot of time with myself, sitting with myself, sitting with my thoughts, understanding myself at a deeper level. I, and on that point about your son and watching his dad coach, presence. What, what do people want, right? Like when they are dealing with like sick loved ones that are sick, or passed away is they just want someone to be there with them. And it's that is also true for our regular day-to-day -day interactions in life. We just want someone to sit with us and to potentially like connect with us or see our experience in that moment and for them to see us and us to see them. And if you just sit there with someone and don't even speak, it changes the environment. It changes your feeling. And I think we underestimate presence so, so much in a world that is dominated by views and money and all this. But are you really there with someone? Because it makes such a difference. And it makes a difference to people who aren't empaths or aren't like can't connect on the emotional level. They feel it too, or like they understand that something was different about that. I spoke to somebody who is not connected to their emotions at all. And when I was able to point their emotions out to them, something changed in them and they felt different and they felt like, wow, emotions are real because you picked up on that. How did you, what happened? Because they understood, they felt connected with in that moment. And I think it's such an underrated part of life. And I, I learned it from meditation. I probably had it deep within me, but I think it's a, a skill people can learn from really spending time with themselves, spending time understanding their own emotions, where they come from and going deep on them. Yeah. How did you learn it? I've gone through a lot of therapy. <laughs> a lot of therapy. Yeah. And it's like unbelievable how much you learn about like words. Like one word can change things. So, so for example, to my husband who comes from work, he's working. I'm working too. But then to him, I'm maybe not working. Or sometimes I feel like the way we work is different or it has a different weight. And sometimes like all I want from him is to come home and just say, honey, you probably had a really tough day. And that like that alone makes me feel like seen, like appreciated. So like I had to tell him, okay, and you come home and you just tell me this word <laughs> and it will change my mood because wow. it's, uh, it's like nothing, but it's everything. So there are like all these things about it's we are, we're so fragile. And like the worst that we say, like how we say it can just change so much. So I wish somebody had a course on, I'm reading like nonviolent communication that mm. has like a terrible title, but Tim Ferriss and a lot of people like rave about this book. So I just bought it and like reading over it. But yeah, like the little things when you're working with people, it makes such a big difference. Danny is one of my favorite stories about you is media day and... <laughs> I heard it many times, but the episode when like David Perel is interviewing you, I'm a huge fan of David Perel. You talked about media day and how you're like 15 years old. You only started writing this blog for three months, but I was so impressed by your mom because they were having a fight with my dad. My dad wanted me to go to school. And then your mom is, you are skipping school and you're going to media day. And I was like, wow, she's my new hero. And I wanted to just really like from your upbringing, like there are those moments because I think going to media day is must have been such a life changing two hours of your life. So if you can, if I can take you back to when you were 15 years old, what did that experience like feel like, look like? And if you can, if I can take you back there. Yeah, absolutely. I have tears welling up under my eyes because when you just said, my mom is your new hero, yeah, I feel that. And I think my mom is the best mom ever. Obviously, everyone says that. But like the examples of that are so true and so real. 
and just her going to bat for me in situations that she might not have really understood. Wait, he's going, how, what is going on? Like how, and I'm, and she has work and she's, the question was about. (laughs) No. So like I, what I notice about people is that who they are today, it's like a little seed that was planted 10, 20 years ago. Mm. I'm just curious. Like I want to benchmark your mom and build like maybe Danny Miranda's out of my kids. So if you can take me back to like your upbringing, what are some things that your mom did that maybe like you noticed that none of your friends were getting from their moms? Yeah. So I wasn't spending a lot of time with my friends and their moms and their relationship. And I never really considered it until after the fact of this is different. But my mom and you have very similar skills in that you're very good at listening to little things, asking questions, holding space, being there with me and being able to like really care about my experience and really care about showing the light in my experience and understanding myself better. Always. The whole thing. Oh, my entire life. Like I say, like my mom's the best therapist because she's always there and always so good at the things you do. And so I I think that I try my best to give my guests the same experience that my mom gave me of just being there, of just listening with love and care and asking questions with curiosity of, oh, Johnny did this. What did you say? And how did that impact what you, how did you feel when he said that? And what happened? And what can we do about this going forward? It was always like questions, always questions and always understanding and deep understanding of emotions and deep understanding of like social dynamics and able to help. And yeah, you do that. So I have no doubt that your kids so are going to be emotional. <laughs> no, it's like, it's so hard, Danny. It's, Is it? Uh, yeah, it's so hard. In what way? It's hard because I have my own aspirations and I'm very ambitious in terms of, I want to, I prefer to read this book than do something, than go watch somebody play soccer. I feel torn all the time mm-hmm. and I had to make rules. Okay. After, I don't know, 4 p.m., I stop working or like after, because I think rules are easier. You forget about why you some, you, you trust yourself for having made that rule and you just follow the rule. I think it's really hard when you have this creative energy, momentum, and it's so hard to do anything with the kids because like you want to be present and you like want to be there, but you're like, 30% of my mind is like, oh, like that editing for the podcast or oh, like that highlight was better. <laughs> so it's really hard. Mm. But yeah, I was just really touched by your stories of your mom, like your grandma, like your, like your family seems to have been there. But you talk about like the female roles in your life. Yeah. And it made me think, oh, we play a very important role, right? Because yes. I just keep thinking, okay, I need to make this important. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. So I want to make it interesting and important. Yeah, it's funny because my mom felt the same way too. Of Maybe not exactly the same, but from what she's told me is I didn't know if I was spending enough time at home because I was spending so much time at work. And I, if there was one thing I felt guilty about, it was that I didn't feel like I was with you enough. And I was like, oh, mom, like, it's all good. I guess in an ideal world, like you would have spent every moment just asking me questions and being my therapist nonstop 24 seven. I would have been a more emotionally mature person, but I know I was loved and I feel Mm -hmm. like there's no trauma in any way associated with it because you're so good at asking questions, holding space. You really care about me. And I'm sure it's the same thing with you and your children. I, I guess where it becomes difficult is what percentage of time do I allocate? And it worked for my mom. She worked a nine to five basically. And was home at, at five or six o'clock every day. And I think what was interesting is that it's like, she went to a different space to work, like an office, <laughs> like you're, I don't know the nature of your work, but I assume it's online by virtue of being in Korea and podcasting. So it's, there's a little less separation potentially. And it felt like she was very present when she was home and with me, she was never like in work in any way. I don't know if that's helpful if at all, but it's, it's just a thought. That's, that's super helpful. And like my sort of selfish conditional mind is just taking the spot where you said, Oh, it's okay, mom. <laughs> like that's, that's the part I'm choosing to keep yes. just to know that it's okay to be fully present. Like 
two hours a day, yes. not like 10 hours a day. Yes. So I'm like taking that as just like a little consolation. Absolutely. And I think that it's like maybe 10 hours a day would create its own incompetence in some way because then they would have a problem and mom wouldn't be there immediately. And then they'd be like, they wouldn't know what to do. Right. So however you parent, you're going to create some level of pain in the child. Like my dad got me a camera, like a DSLR camera when I was starting to do reports and writing so that I could photograph my, like the different articles that I was writing and the Knicks games. I still felt like I didn't get the emotional guidance that I needed from a masculine role model because he wanted me to turn off the lights and I did it, but I didn't do it the right way. And I didn't put the thermostat down. Like it is, I had the best childhood ever. And I still found a way that made it a problem so I can help people. You will always make mistakes and that's good. That is your child's purpose in life is your <laughs> mistakes. And that is the way we go. That is forever. The cycle. That's that's awesome, Danny. I, I love what you said about like the mistakes pretty much are like what make their calling and purpose when they're adults. And I think that the media day, I think is a very good example of a very special room that you want to be in. Are there like the special, more exclusive rooms? Like what kind of rooms do you want to be in today? This one and wherever I am is the room that I want to be in. And I truly feel that. And it's interesting to me how people like comment on the guests often of, wow, such high profile people. So I was like, I was in my purpose and calling in episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And those were cool people like from the start. And those people mean just as much to me as the most famous people. And also the person that I'm in the elevator with me, that person means a lot to me too. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say as much as my guests who I explore deeply and understand their soul, but it's, it's a human being. So I just want to be in the room with human beings. And if I do that, then I'm in my purpose. I'm successful. I'm happy. I'm grateful. There's no like place I want to get to per se, no room I want to get to because awesome. what I'm going to get to that room and be like, okay, this is just another human being. This is just mm -hmm, another person. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like you are in the room. You're like a moving room. <laughs> yes. Um, the room is wherever I am. That's, that's awesome. Danny, I think you also mentioned, I think it was a previous podcast that I heard a long time ago that I just thought of that there was a period in, in your career where you were distracted with NFTs and like the web three. And then you're like, Oh, I want to stick to my game of podcasting, interviewing. And I think those distractions are always there everywhere. Are there things that maybe like distractions that you've had this past year, or maybe say, no, like people have told me I should do this, but then I, I'm going to like forget about. Yeah. You I don't, probably have a lot of offers. Oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. Guests to come on. And I just really tune into myself and tune into, does this person align with me? Like, how does this feel? How does this person, feel? I'm always, how does this moment feel? Is I'm very big on that. And like tuning into my body because I believe it has more intelligence than we can consciously be aware of. And we have a deep knowing of this is feels right. No opportunities come to me. And, and I want to point out like the reason why I went down the NFT rabbit hole with getting a job and in that world. And it was because like, I chose to listen to the external voice of getting a job is the safe thing. And that will, you'll be happier with a job. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And you're doing all this to get a job so that you can have a stable life. That was like the script that I was running that I bought into. I didn't have enough belief in myself, even though other people believed in me enough to hire me to do the very thing that I was doing on my own. So I think that is an important thing to point out of the belief in oneself and the understanding of the scripts that you're running are very impactful. And it's worth asking yourself, like, who in my life would approve of what I'm doing right now? Do I approve of what I'm doing right now? Would I choose this for myself? If I was parenting myself, would I say, continue doing this? Or would I say to do something else? Because I think that too often it's the voice of my parents or the voice of a friend or the voice of someone else. And I choose to follow that. And my life has been a lot better. I've had a lot more energy. I've had a lot more joy. I've had a lot more presence when I've chose to follow my own voice and just let it play out over a period of months and years. I know you talk a lot about belief. You need to believe mm -hmm. in yourself. And I am also 
a big believer in how believing changes things. But for example, like having proof or having examples of what I can do helps me a lot. But what are some like practical things people can do to build the possible, like their personal archive of things so they can gain belief? Like how can you get somebody to believe in themselves? Yeah. So there's two competing schools of thought on this by two modern thinkers. One is David Senra, who says belief comes before ability. And then Alex Hormozzi says, you need to get an undeniable stack of proof that you are the person you say you are before you can believe. I don't know which one is right. I feel like my belief has come before my ability. And what I've done, if I were to psychoanalyze myself, which I do often, is I looked for examples and magnified them in my past. Meaning, when I was nine years old or 10 years old, I created the Sunny Times, which is a newsletter that I wrote maybe three times. I've magnified that in my head to believe I was destined to create media that makes people feel good. Wow. Okay. That was three newsletters you wrote and you probably chose a random name and looked up at the stars and saw the sun and was like, okay. So you could say that, or you could say, no, this was destiny. No other kid is doing that. And so I think everyone has those things, whether it's like they were painting or they were really good. They took one amazing photo that everyone in the school was like, that's an amazing photo. What are those situations and how do you magnify them in your own mind? And how do you magnify them in your being and then act on them in a daily basis? So of course, I believe that I can create media that brings light to people because I do it every day. So I have the proof, but I also have the proof of the past of, wow, I did that thing. So that, that's my two cents on building belief. Yeah, that that's super practical. I, I totally agree in it's a very weird thing with belief. Like I will sometimes have my strong belief. Oh my God, I got this. I can do this. But then it will deflate. Like it depends on each di different situation. But then, yeah, I sometimes will be like, oh, I can do this. And sometimes, oh, I don't know. Like I'll have self-doubt. But the having the examples, oh, I did this. And they don't have to be huge, but oh, I can do this. Like having 20 episodes on my podcast makes me feel very hopeful. Wow, this is like amazing. And I didn't have those when I first started, but I think it's just like almost action. For me, it's like action without thinking, mm. <laughs> just doing it, like spilling the cup. And then looking back, that has been like like my thing. Oh, wow, I did that? That's, that's crazy. Yes, and you're, we are all far more capable than we believe we are. And my whole thing is let's increase the belief so that it actually reflects what is possible. And it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I would also say for a practical thing is like, when the self doubt happens, whose voice is that? And your initial thought and most people's initial thought is that's my voice. And I say, no, it's not your voice. It's someone's voice that you respect that you've implanted in your own mind. And you could directly attribute to one to five people that you respect and admire in some way. And now you're taking it as the truth. And so. Wow. That's very <laughs> powerful, Danny. And I'm like thinking of like my mother-in-law, like my, my people that I want to impress, right? Yeah. And, wow, and that, that's amazing. And that those are the most insidious ones of the thing. It's because we respect them that we value their voice so highly and then implant it in our own mind. So it's really like a testament to our respect to them, but we have to identify it and be like, I respect this person. I also know not everything they say is true. And they have a part of them that hasn't healed in some way so that they put that doubt and fear into other people's minds. And imagine if that was a, a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old who was fearful or doubtful, that person, how do we treat them? It's okay. Like we understand, like you're scared it's all right. I, we still love you. And like, I found that when I meet someone's fear and doubt with love, it evaporates, at least in that moment. And it gives them a new sense, a new perspective. Like why I was just fearful. And that person just loved me. What just happened? Because they're not used to that. And that's my practical go-to whenever I get attacked by fear and doubt from people that I respect and admire. Awesome. Mic drop over there. Like I wanted to ask about art of interviewing and 
Danny, you probably have a lot of things that you can teach, but somehow you, the first course that you built was not how to start a podcast, how to do meditation, but it was about interviewing and wanted to ask you what was like the beginning, where, where did the seed get planted and how did it came to, to be? Yeah, there's so many little moments that helped propel it and build it. Three different scenarios that stick out in my mind was one was Ali Abdal really pushing me. Hey, man, like you should really consider doing an online course of some sort. Like I would buy an online course from you and you should think about that. I was like, all right, like I, I respect Ali. Okay. The second was Nat Eliason telling me, like I was thinking about podcast course, but it never felt right. And because it never felt right, I never did it because I was like, I can't do things that don't feel right to my benefit or detriment. And so it never felt right, podcast course, but that was the thing in my head. So I told Nat Eliason that, and he said, how about interviewing? And I was like, huh, I've never considered that. That is accurate. That feels right to me. And that was huge. And then lastly, Layla Hormozy, after the end of one of our episodes was just like, you really are an amazing interviewer, Danny. And for some reason that, cause I know she has such a high bar for excellence and I've heard that before, but then just her saying it really just hit me at a moment where I needed to hear it. And all three of those situations by three people that I respect and admire in different ways led me to be like, all right, let's do this. And then when I decided to do it, it took a month to record everything or less, maybe two weeks. And it was off to the races from there. I know. That's so interesting how like a passing comment can like can do this. And I'm very aware of that. I want to be those passing comments for people. It can change people's lives. And I think you are doing that for people, Danny. You talked about presence. You talked about like self-belief and just so many, yeah, just practical things that come from your life. Any last thoughts or comments that you want to leave? What do you want to leave with? I think... I've never spoke to you in person or virtual or in person or on the phone or just communicating via Twitter. And you have such a deep presence about you and such a care. And I'm so blown away by you as an interviewer, or just like a person who cares. I think it's a better word than interviewer, person who cares. <laughs> Maybe I'll just rebrand my entire course around <laughs> personwhocares.com. <laughs> and I think you're really phenomenal at this, like actually. And I think like, you could be a therapist easily and I your kids are so blessed to have you oh, as a mother and uh, I'm I'm really honored and touched by this interview I really feel your presence oh thank you Danny I it was just like just so lovely to to meet you and I hope that we can meet in person and I want to feel this energy you know like live because it's amazing to meet people live after online contact yeah, I'm learning so much from you and just keep doing what you're doing because I think you're touching people's lives and I think that's amazing. And you are as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope and I'm looking forward to the day that we can share the energy live. Yeah, thank you. 